0: Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, and it reads, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent... If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Whatever you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you for your word I pray that you would press it down deep into our hearts, that you would help us by your spirit to uh, know you more and to understand you more and to, uh, Lord, live our lives for you and your glory, uh, that you would help us in our time together, that it would be edifying, that it would uh, build us up and build us up in our faith, that our faith would be strong in you, our King. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I do want to say before I get into starting to teach through this that uh, after today's message or even throughout this message, you might be tempted to accuse me of legalism, of being legalistic today, and I'm I'm just wanting to uh, ward that thought off before we even get started today. What I'm advocating for today, and as we get into going through this passage about thinking on these things, practicing these things, I am not saying, I'm not advocating for a works based righteousness. You have to understand that. I am not saying that if you think pure thoughts and you think a holy life, if, if you live the right way, then you will be saved. That is not what I am saying. I am not saying that we do these things to earn our salvation. But what we are talking about today is how we as God's people live as citizens of heaven. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about how to be saved today. There's only one way to be saved, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace through faith. And we are saved not by our works, but by his works, the works he accomplished for us on the cross Today. So I am not saying do these things and you will be saved. That is not what I am saying. I am saying if you are saved, there's a certain way to live. If you are saved, there's a certain way to think. And that's what we're talking about here today. There is only one way to be saved and it's not by our actions, our thoughts, our deeds, but it is by the work of God. Christ. And if you're here today and you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, I call on you to repent of your sin and to trust in Christ today for salvation. If you will call upon him today, you will be saved. You will be set free of sin, free to live for God by the power of the one who rose on the third day. We serve the risen King. We serve the risen Savior and Lord. We serve the one who is enthroned in heaven. We serve the one who defeated death. We sang that song today, that death has lost its grip on me. That's not just talking about the future resurrection, which it is, but it's for right here, right now. The grip of death, the grip of sin, Broken in your life through the power of Christ. So as citizens of of heaven, and and you'll recall that uh, at the end of chapter 3, Paul was talking about those uh, who are false believers or false Christians or false teachers, these enemies of the cross at the end of chapter 3. And he said that their minds are set on earthly things. Their only only concern is material things, the the things of the world, the things of the flesh. But he contrasted us as true believers by saying, but our citizenship is from heaven. And from heaven we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to to himself. So the question is, as citizens of heaven, how do we live? And we started to examine that last night or last week, not last night. Sorry, you didn't miss anything last night. (laughs) Last Sunday, we were examining this idea and and we're continuing it today. And Paul here begins in verse eight by saying, finally. So he's, he's bringing to conclusion the instructional portion of this letter in these verses. And as we get into the next few weeks in Philippians, we're getting into his final uh, farewells. But but today is really the final conclusion of all of the instructions that he's been laying down for God's people through this letter. And he's going to deal with three things. We see them so clearly. He says, think about these things in verse 8. And so the things that we think about, our thoughts, we're going to deal with that. He says, practice these things. So we're going to deal with our actions, our thoughts and our actions. And then he says, the God of peace will be with you. And I believe that's our confidence. So we're going to look at our thoughts, our actions, and our confidence today. And so he begins with our thoughts. He begins to deal with an area I think that we need a lot of help in. Our thought life. Think on these things. Think about these things. Things. And in a minute, we'll walk through each of these eight things that he tells us to think about. But I want to ask you a question. How much attention do you give to your thought life? I'll put it another way. How much do you think about what you think about? It seems kind of silly to... Think about what we think about. However, isn't that exactly what the Apostle is calling us to do today? Yes. To think on what we think on? To evaluate our thoughts and, and what we typically allow to consume our, our thoughts and, and, and what comes very quickly after our thoughts are also our affections. That, that what we think about is usually what we care about and what we care about is usually what we find ourselves thinking about? What do you think about? When you find yourself thinking, if you think at all these days, what do you think about? Do you think about the Lord? Do you think about what is true and honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise? Or do you find yourself thinking about other things? Lesser things, opposite things. So this first one he gives us, whatever is true, think on what is true. That might be hard to do today because the word true, of course, we know it means free of lies. There's no deceit in the truth. There's no deception in the truth. The truth is not slanted or skewed. Think on what is true. Think on what is true. Well, what is true? I I can really only point to a very few things that I could say beyond certain are true. And the top of that list would be the Word of God. That's the top of the list. And on some days, that might be my whole list. Jesus, when he was praying to the Father in John chapter 17, he was praying for believers all throughout human history. And he prays to the Father and he says, Father, sanctify them in your word. Father, set you, my people, set them apart from the world by your word. And then he says, your word is truth. I want to tell you, when you open the pages of scripture, you are reading pure truth. Pure truth. Every word in here is true. Every word in here is free of lies, deceit, deception, and error. Because God's word is God's word. God is not a man. He cannot lie. Human beings are so good at deception. We are so good at lying. We are so good at at portraying ourselves and our lives and our events in a way to lead people to a conclusion that is not true. We live in a world today where this is is some people's full-time job. We call them social media influencers. And their whole job is to portray this version of their life Which is not true. It's not true. But God's word is true. God cannot lie. The word of God is God breathed. Theanustos, breathed out by God. That means God's word is inspired. It means God's word is infallible. It means God's word is inerrant. It means God's word is authoritative. If we're going to think on what is true, we must, by definition, be thinking about the Word of God. Because it's also by the Word of God that we measure every other thought and idea to find out whether or not that other thought and idea is true. How can I know? If this other thought or this other idea or this other philosophy or this other worldview, how can I know if it's true? Well, how does it line up with the Word of God? How does it line up with what God's Word says? We have to be thinking in biblical categories, we have to be thinking through the lens of God's revelation. We have to be thinking about God's word if we're going to be thinking about what is true. We have to also think, he says, think about what is honorable. Honorable. That means worthy of honor. If something is worthy of honor, it means that it is morally correct and ethically principled. Think about what is honorable. Something that's that's worthy of, of putting up on a pedestal. Something that's worthy of honor. The third thing he says to think about is things that are just. Things that are just. That means righteous. That means honest. That means good. Think about these things. Pure. The word pure means undefiled unstained with sin pure there's no hint of sin anywhere in it on it or around it psalms 126 says that the words of the lord are pure words like silver refined in a furnace purified 7 times what is true what is honorable what is just what is pure the word of god the word of god Number five, he says, think about what is lovely. Lovely, that means beautiful. That means full of love. Not hate or anger or malice or rage or things designed to stir those things up in you. No, think about what is lovely. Ponder what is beautiful. Think about what he says is commendable. That means something that you could recommend to others that would edify them, that would encourage them, that would build them up. Commendable, something worthy of commendation. Something worthy of of, of encouraging other people to to put into practice in their life, to think on it in their life, to read in their life, to listen in their life. That would build them up in their faith and encourage them and strengthen them. Number seven, he says, think about what is excellent. Think about what is excellent. When I think about excellent, I, I honestly think of the arts. I think of great literature and poetry and music. Something that is excellent is is when someone has devoted themselves over the course of their life, decades of their life, to to hone their skill, to hone their craft, to to put it on display in a a way that, that draws us up, that builds us up, that lifts our soul and lifts our spirit, and we are all the benefactors of their hard work and dedication. That is excellent. It lifts the human spirit when we see what is possible by those who have disciplined themselves and devoted themselves to what is excellent, pursuing excellence. Excellence simply means doing your best for the glory of God. Giving your best for the glory of God. Think about what is excellent. And finally, he says worthy of praise. What what is worthy of praise? Of praise and honor and again these are overlapping categories I hope that you can see that he's talking about the same kind of thing from eight different angles this passage of scripture is near and dear to my heart because I have a very fond memory of this passage my, my dear mother and I've shared this story many times so if you've heard this story just uh, check in with me in about two minutes um, but my dear mother, I remember a one Sunday night, we were in church, we were up in the chapel building, uh, I was a little kid, I would say maybe eight or nine, and we had been watching a television show that my parents had forbidden for us to watch. Um, believe it or not, I know it's shocking to you that I would ever disobey my parents or ever do anything that is ever wrong, but nevertheless... Um, and so they had said, you can't watch this show, and, uh, we kept sneaking around to watch this show, and, uh, she had found us several times, and, um, I, yeah, I know, it's ridiculous, and so one night in church, I, I, I don't remember what was happening, I, I, know that someone was preaching, uh, and we were there with our coloring books, and, uh, My mom scooted over to me on the pew, and she had her Bible open to Philippians chapter 4. And I I do not think that the preacher was preaching on this. Uh, Nevertheless, she asked me to read this passage. She asked me to read this passage, and so I read it. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. And she said, Matthew, you know that show we've been telling you not to watch? Yeah. Is there anything in that show that fits this definition or fits these categories? And immediately I just fell under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and I said, no, no, honestly, no, it's none of those things. It's rude, it's irreverent, it's crude, it's, it's, it's none of these things. It's not true, honorable, just, pure, commendable, excellent, or worthy of praise. And then she said, that's why, that's why me and your dad have asked you guys not to watch this show, because it doesn't line up with the word of God. It doesn't line up with who we are to be as God's people. It, it, it doesn't line up with the kinds of things that citizens of heaven, that children of God should be filling their soul with. And I'll never forget that moment. Um, and I wish I could say, oh, I've been my parents from that day forward for the rest of my life. Obviously, that's not the case. But my mom showed me in that way that there's, there's, a, certain, there's, there's a, a certain category of, of things that are acceptable for God's people to watch, to, to bring into their life, to meditate on, and, and there's categories that are, are not. And she helped me to see that even at a young age, and I, I thank God for a godly mother the apostle says that we should think about these things, ponder on these things, that our thoughts, that, that we should, our, our thoughts, our focus, our attention should be devoted to these kinds of things, that we should meditate on them, that we should dwell on them. You know, as I got ready this week, as I was just meditating on this passage, what, what really struck me, and maybe this is only true for me, but I sort of doubt it. What, what did strike me is just how little thinking we actually do in 2022. How, how little time we actually devote to thinking. When do we even think anymore? Our lives today in 2022, the modern world that we live in, they're just go, 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 go. When do, we, when do we ponder? When do we think? When do we, when do we even do this, M- much less these kinds of things, but just think it all? We just go from one thing to the next, busy, busy, busy. And any time, any time we have the slightest moment of peace, where we could actually, for one moment take time to think and to ponder on these things or anything, what do we do? What do we immediately do? (laughs) Anytime there's any spare moment, anytime we, we find ourselves with not 15 minutes, 15 seconds of unoccupied time, immediately. (laughs) Anytime we might have to, and I've I've found this to be so true, anytime we might have to actually interact with somebody that we don't know, or or, or we just, we we see somebody walk, you know, we, we take our kids to the park in the neighborhood, we walk down our street, there's lots of other families there, and what, what, what is just so amazing to me is just how often when, when somebody's like, I'm sitting on the bench, I'm watching my kids, and somebody's walking by, they'll be walking by with, with, with no phone, no distraction, but when they get within like 10 feet of me, they immediately do this thing. <laughs> and, and then they, you know, put it back away and, and go on with their day. Or they just do that the whole time. And so we pull out our phones and we go from either the news, looking at the news, the headlines, or we go to the, 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 the you know, the social media cycle of death, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and we just go back and forth and back and forth. We go through all four of them and then you immediately go back to the first one to see if anything new has popped up in the last six seconds. So that our thoughts are constantly preoccupied with noise, noise, static. And what this shows us is, is just how much the world is forcing us into its mold. And we don't even realize it. We don't even see it. We don't even recognize until we come to a passage like this that says, think on these things and Our first thought is, well, when am I going to think about anything? When do I even think? Do I even think at all? Hopefully you have at least an hour a week. Hopefully you sit in in here and we worship God and and we put our thoughts and our focus and our attention on God. But but how often is it so hard to even make it through church without this? This? It's so automatic. It's, it's so reflexive. It, it's muscle memory. We we find ourselves just sitting. It just do you ever find yourself just re- reaching for it? You just you don't even know why you picked it up. Do you ever do that? You know what I find happens to me all the time. This is really. I guess this is like group, my group therapy session right here, <laughs> is I, I, I think, okay, I need to call somebody, text somebody, I need to do something, I need to look something up, and I pull this thing out to, to do it, but when I pull it out, there's already something else on there, some other notification, some other thing, and the next thing I know, I can't remember why I'm on my phone. But I'm off on some other rabbit trail. I'm 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 off following some other path. I'm I'm being forced into some other mold. And I I I I, I so often I honestly cannot remember why did I pick this thing up, till well, I have to put it down and go back to doing what it was I was doing. And then I sit down and I go, oh yeah, that's, that's what I was supposed to do. Think on these things. You know, there are entire industries that are working together with militant efficiency to keep you from thinking on these things. Hollywood. Hollywood. is keeping you from thinking on these things. The music industry, the publishing industry, books and magazines, the news industry, social media, they're not trying to draw your thoughts into thinking about what is true, honorable, just, and pure. Are they? If they are, you're watching, you're seeing something I'm not seeing. It's the exact opposite of all of these things every single show, every single movie is laced with, if not full-on frontal attack of these things. And how can we think about these things, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise? How can we think on these things when we're filling our mind and our thoughts With the opposite things. You see this list, what it does is it elevates our thinking upwards. It pulls our thoughts heavenwards. Because when I start thinking about what is true, and I start thinking about what is just, and I start thinking about what is honorable and pure, where do my thoughts have to go? They have to go heavenward. They have to go towards Christ. They have to go towards living for Him and bringing Him glory. Versus the lowly, the earthly, the worldly, the crass, the crude, the coarse, the vulgar, and the profane. In Colossians chapter 3, just one page over to the right. Paul puts it this way to the church in Colossae, Colossians 3, verse 1. If, if, if you have been raised with Christ, born again, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Verse 2 of chapter 3, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Why? Because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, witches, idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them, but now, but now, everybody say but now, yeah. but now, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. What Paul says is that we must set our minds on things above and the things that we think about influence the things that we do, the way that we live. Our actions flow from our thoughts. Our actions flow from our thoughts. It's it's when we set our minds on things above that we can then, therefore, he says, put to death what is earthly in you. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. If our hearts are filled with impurity, if our hearts are filled with lies and deceit, If our hearts are filled with sin, our vision of God will be obscured. We will not be able to see God because the soul, our heart, the soul is is the window through which we see God. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6. He said, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, if what you are viewing and thinking on is is evil, is impure, is full of sin, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What Jesus is saying is that your soul is the window through which you see God. And just like if a window is dirty, it distorts what you see through it. And if it's dirty enough, it will completely block you from even being able to see to the other side. But we must, we must as God's people, allow the word of God to wash our minds, to wash our thoughts, to wash our hearts, to wash our souls, to purify our thinking. Why? So that we can have a right view of God, so that we can see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Likewise, if your soul is full of sin, your view of God will be completely distorted or blocked. I've been talking a little bit about entertainment, and I would encourage you, to evaluate the things that you are watching, the things that you are reading, the things that you are listening to, evaluate them up against this list. How much of your life do you spend thinking on these things? How much of your time are you devoted to other things, filling your thoughts and filling your mind There's another category of, I don't even know what to call it, sin, that is so prevalent in the world today. It's one of the biggest industries in our nation. It brings in more revenue than ABC, NBC and CBS combined it brings in more revenue than the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball. And that's pornography. Pornography. Pornography is the cancer of the mind, cancer of the soul. I shouldn't have to convince you that it does not fit into this category of what is good and true and pure and just and worthy of praise but i will say that if you are regularly viewing pornography that your 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 whole your whole perspective on life is distorted Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Your whole view of God is distorted. Pornography is a thief. It robs you of what God has for you. Pornography steals from you a a pure relationship with God. Pornography ruins your worship. Because every time you come to try and worship God, you are filled with condemnation. Not from God, but from the enemy who wants to tempt you and then condemn you. It's not God's will that his people would be addicted to, beholden to, regularly looking at or viewing pornography. And there is freedom. There is freedom. You you do not have to be bound by this sin. You can walk in freedom and victory. And I'm not just talking to the men, I'm talking to the women too. A recent statistic says that one third of pornography users are women. You can have freedom. You can have freedom through Christ. The power of the resurrection, the power of the empty tomb is even more powerful than pornography. If you're here today and and you would say, well, I I don't see anything wrong with it. I'm not hurting anybody. Let, Let this passage convict your heart. Let, let this passage of of what is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable could you commend th- what you are viewing to me your pastor yeah. if not if not let us be under the conviction of the holy spirit let him lead us into lives of holiness and purity Let him sanctify us by his word. Let him draw a line, a distinction between his church, his bride, and the world. You know, Paul writes in um, Corinthians, a a, a church uh, that was in a very city, a very pagan city, idolatrous city, and very um, immoral city, there, was, there, was, there were people in the church who were uh, involved in, in prostitution. They, they were visiting prostitutes. And the Apostle Paul rebukes them for their sin, but he goes beyond just that and he says, don't you understand that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you understand that, that when you engage in that kind of sin, that you are uniting Christ? We, we as God's people, we are united with Christ. We have union with Christ. And we, When we engage in that kind of sin, we bring Christ into that filth. He says, don't you see that? Don't you realize that? Don't you understand that? And pornography fits into that category. Don't don't you realize that he sees everything that you see? Don't you realize that you bring him into everything you go into? May God's church be purified. Would God purify his church? Not, Not out of some sort of self-willed obligation, but out of love for him, out of love and devotion for the one who died for our sin, the one who paid the price for our sin, that every sin I commit adds to the sorrow of Christ on the cross. You know that? You realize that? That every sin we ever commit was laid on him was laid upon Him, past, present, and future, as He hung there on that tree, bleeding, dying, shedding His blood under the wrath of God to reconcile us to Him. How can we, who have tasted of His goodness, who have tasted of His grace, who have been set free of the power of sin, Look so lowly upon the price he paid to redeem our lives that we would drag him into such filth as believers, as believers. Now, I understand the world. I understand that. I understand those living in darkness. I understand those who don't have the power of the Holy Spirit living in their life. But I'm talking about the people of God may we come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit in the things that we watch, in the things that we read, in the things that we listen to. In pornography, yes, but in, in entertainment as well. Is what we are watching, is what we are listening to, is it stirring our affections for Christ or is it stirring up our flesh May we as God's people be pruned. May may He prune from our lives the branches that are not bearing fruit so that the ones that are bearing fruit for Him may bear more. May He prune from us our addiction to social media, our addiction to our phones, so that we may devote more time to Him and to His Word. So that we may devote more time to him and to prayer. So that we may devote more time to him and to evangelism. That we may devote more time to him and and hospitality. May God break our hearts for our sin. The sin of our wandering eyes. The prophet Jeremiah said this to God's people in chapter 2 verse 5 he said what wrong he says thus saith the lord thus saith the lord what wrong did your fathers find in me that they wandered away from me what 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 in the beauty of christ what what in the gospel do you find so unappealing that you turn from that to pursue and to look after other things. Isn't, isn't the gospel the most beautiful thing? Isn't it the most attractive thing? Isn't it, isn't it the, the best thought that you could ever think? Isn't it the thoughts of God, the thinking on the gospel, thinking on the work of Christ and, and his redemption and, and his, his humiliation and his sacrifice and and his resurrection, and his exaltation, and his return. Aren't those the best thoughts? God says, what do you find so unappealing about that that you chase after worthless things? And he goes on to say, and in doing some, become worthless yourself. Yes, we are Christians, Yes, we are washed in the blood. Yes, we are saved and redeemed and heaven-bound. But are we worthless? Have we become useless to the Lord because we have filled our souls with things that are not true and just and honorable? Have, have we gone after worthless things like the children of Israel, and, and ourselves become worthless to the Lord? of no good use to him by being preoccupied with things that are not true and holy. God, convict our hearts. God, plow through our souls. Lord, break up the hard parts of our heart that we may be soft to the things of your spirit. That we would have hearts that are attuned to your voice. That we would be led by your spirit. And not led by the spirit of this world, which is passing away. What are we thinking on? He moves from our thoughts to our actions in verse 9. He says, practice these things. Practice these things. Practice means to do repeatedly, repeatedly, habitually, over and over and over and over again. This is a lifestyle. This is how you live. The gospel is not just something you believe once and move on with your life. No, the gospel is your whole life. The gospel is not just something you believe. It's something you do. It's how you live. What this means is that every issue is a gospel issue. We live in a a world that wants to say, well, these are the important issues and they're gospel issues. Life, death, resurrection of Christ. This is what we all have to focus on. There's a lot of other issues and they're not that important because they're not gospel issues. No, the gospel affects every area of life. Every area is a gospel issue. The gospel is not just what we think. The gospel is how we live. So Paul says in Romans 12, too, do not be conformed to this world. The world is trying to force us into a pattern, into a shape, into its mold. But we are created in the image of God. And he is birthing in our lives the image of his son. And so he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. We must renew our minds daily with the word of God. We must renew our, renew our minds daily with the word so that our actions, the way that we live, the words that we speak, that we can live our lives for the glory of God. And number three, what is our confidence what gives us any hope that any of this is possible? It's not in ourselves. It's not in our own ability. It's not in our own intellect, our own, our own power, our own strength, even our own willpower. But it's in that he says, and, which if in, in the flow, the train of thought can be therefore because... You can think about these things and you can practice these things because the God of peace will be with you. Who is with us? Amen. If you try to do it in your own strength, your own power, your own ability, you will fail every time. But God is with us. Who is with us? God is with us. The one who walked out of the tomb. The one who rose again. The the one who is enthroned in heaven. Seated at the right hand of God. He is with us. We are not alone in this journey. He is alongside of us. He is helping us. The Holy Spirit is called the helper. Yeah. And through the power of his spirit, we can do these things. 2 yeah. Peter 1.3, I say this in closing. I invite the ushers and the worship team to come. 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Listen, God is not withholding anything from us. God is not withholding anything from us that we need to live for him. Whatever we need, to live for him, whatever we need to live a godly life, he has provided to us. So that any deficiency in our lives is not a result of him, but it's a result of us. Which is why we come to the table in repentance this is why we must repent of our sin and be broken of our sin and then enter into renewed fellowship with him. Again, this is not in any way a way for you to be saved. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to the saved people today. I'm speaking to the children of God. God calls us to a life of holiness, a life of righteousness, and he has given us everything we need to do that. We need to not spend our time looking at us. What we need to do is spend our time looking at him, keeping our eyes fixed on him, the author and the finisher of our faith. And when we do that, we will see we live in his power. So I'm gonna invite you to stand today and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us by the power of your spirit to live for you. Help us to think on these things. Help us to practice these things knowing, Lord, that you are our confidence. You are the guarantee of our victory as we have your power, the power of your spirit in our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.